Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Surma Pod. This is the podcast for the Sports and Entertainment Risk Management Alliance. I am the host of the podcast and also the founder and CEO of Surma, Rich Lenkoff. And today we're covering an interesting story that came uh, uh, came to our attention recently involving Becky Hammond. We've got uh, a guest from Ford Harrison, Emily Chase Sosnoff. Welcome to the podcast. Emily's a partner with the Tampa office of, of Fort Harrison and uh, handles a lot of employment law. And Becky, the, I mean, Emily, I'm sorry, Becky. Emily, the story picks up with Becky Hammond, who we recently just saw inducted into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. She was actually suspended by her employer, the Las Vegas Aces, from the WNBA. And uh, the suspension resulted from some comments that she allegedly made uh, involving one of her players, the allegation by the player, while it was uh, an unnamed, um, uh, it was you know she didn't name the person, but the player, uh, Dierica Hamby, said that she uh, was discriminated against and her rights were violated as a result of her pregnancy. Why don't you pick up the story from from that point, Emily, if you can? Yeah, well, I think that's you know. That's a very good summary, and that's um, kind of the extent of what we know about this story. Not a ton of details have been leaked from what I saw. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't implicate some interesting legal issues. Um, as you touched on, you know, I work for Ford Harrison. We're a national labor and employment law firm, so I do specialize in employment law. And, you know, we see issues like this come up all the time, or at least allegations. Um, it, it sounds like the allegation here is that Becky Ham, Hammond – the allegation anyway, is that, you know, she may have transferred this player um, to another team um, because she had gotten pregnant. Um, Now, I guess what the investigation uncovered, it sounds like, is that, you know, Becky Hammond may have made some comment about the pregnancy or asked the player about her pregnancy. Um, But that's pretty much all we know. And then we know, you know, how the investigation unfolded with um, some disciplinary action there. So, Unclear exactly what was uncovered, but it brings up some interesting issues with pregnancy discrimination in the workplace and accommodations for pregnant workers, um, especially in the sports field, as well as disciplinary action for um, the results of an investigation. Yeah, let's take those one by one, because the player alleged that um, and this was after, you know, 33 interviews with people close to the situation were interviewed and texts and emails and other documents were were. Um, investigated and the player alleged that again she didn't mention her coach but you know after this investigation the connection was made that it was becky hammond um discriminated her against her and you know that resulted in this trade to the la sparks um because of her pregnancy now i again we don't we don't know to your point exactly what the details of the investigation were but maybe talk to us more generally about what happens when such an allegation is made um, by an employee against an organization, against an individual, what type of investigation is generally conducted at that point? Yeah, that's a really good question. There's a bunch of different ways to go about that. Um, I would say in general, the process is that you have to first choose somebody who's going to conduct the investigation. That can be somebody within human resources, within the organization, 
or um, a lot of times people hire outside counsel, um, like legal representation, to perform a, a neutral investigation of a situation. Um, so typically, you know, I've done investigations. I know people in my firm have as well. You know, the typical process is usually first that you would interview the person uh, who's made the allegation and get their side of the story, get any relevant details, um, ask them, you know, who else might have knowledge about this and what other witnesses you should speak with. Um, and then speak with the accused and hear their side of the story, what, you know, what happened from their perspective. Because um, oftentimes, <laughs> you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle between those two, right? And that's why you need to, you know, potentially interview others who are close to the situation, others who may have witnessed these types of comments. And of course, documents are critical too. If there was anything put in emails or text messages, then that's, you know, hard evidence of what actually occurred. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times we see in the workplace that people consider text messages or instant messages, Facebook Messenger, all these forms of communication, people consider it very informal. But if it's in writing, then that's hard evidence. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to look at all the evidence and weigh the credibility of these different witnesses against the, you know, whatever hard evidence you may have and and make a determination there. And, um, you know, ultimately, it'll be up to the organization about what disciplinary action, if any, is appropriate. So Emily, the player, again, um, uh, Hamby said in her Instagram post on January 21st, the same day she was, maybe it was the day after she was traded to the Sparks, um, she said that, you know, she had difficulty moving on from disgusting comments made toward her by an unnamed member of the ACES organization. Again, the conclusion was that that unnamed person was uh, Coach Becky Hammond. She said her character and work ethic were attacked and she was promised things by the organization that were not followed through upon. And here's one of the key allegations. She says, I was accused of signing my extension knowingly pregnant. This is false. Now, you know, um, it's obviously, you know, uh, dangerous territory for an employer to inquire or to make any decisions uh, employment related when there's a pregnancy involved. In this case, the allegation is that the player was accused of misrepresenting her, you know, her, her status um, of course, you know, those are factors that these days aren't wise for an employer to delve into when dealing with any employee, including in this case, what can be considered disciplinary action, perhaps if you follow the allegation in trading her to another team. Right. I agree with you. I mean, <laughs> um, that is very dangerous territory for an employer, um, especially when making hiring decisions and, you know, there are many laws um, on the federal level that protect pregnant workers, um, including the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which is a brand new law. Um, so, you know, absolutely an employer should not be making um, employment decisions based on someone's pregnancy. I mean, there may be cases where somebody needs a leave of absence or accommodations because they're pregnant. And of course, the employer can work with them. But, you know, we never want to be in a situation where someone is saying we don't want to hire this person because they're pregnant or planning a family. Um, so, you know, that <laughs> I understand it's professional sports and obviously the pregnancy could have an impact on performance there, but you know, the, there are laws in place that protect pregnant employees and allow them to have accommodations and take leave and other things like that. Um, so no employment decisions about hiring or firing should be based on a pregnancy. So talk to us about that, because again, Hammy alleged that, you know, this disciplinary action from her perspective, was coached in terms of availability, right? Which I'm sure from her perspective is, you know, it's just a code word for we don't want to continue to employ you because you're pregnant. 
the team might say, well, legitimately, we have a concern about a player that we're playing a lot of money to who has to be physically present and able to perform, uh, do their job. That's not what they've said, but you would imagine that that would be, you know, part of their response. But, um, you know, what should a professional sports team do if one of their employees, in this case, an athlete, um, is pregnant? I mean, to your point, you can't, you know, you shouldn't discriminate against them. But what steps can an employer do like a sports team um, when they are relying on the ability of that employee to perform, in this case, a physically demanding uh, job? Right. Great question. Um, so typically there are there's about three federal laws that could be implicated here, possibly four. Um, there's Title VII, which has been amended by the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. That's a basic anti-discrimination law, and it prohibits sex discrimination, including pregnancy discrimination. Um, next, there's the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, um, which is brand new, and that requires employers with 15 or more employees to provide reasonable accommodations for known limitations due to pregnancy or childbirth or related medical conditions. Um, and then the Americans with Disabilities Act also provides accommodations for um, employees who have a pregnancy-related disability. And then, of course, the fourth one that's kind of implicated is um, the Family Medical Leave Act, which provides 12 weeks off for eligible employees um, to bond with a new baby. So in terms of what an employer should do, given that there could be limitations to you know, a player's ability to do their job, is to engage in the interactive process with them under, under the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. So you would work with the, the player and say, you know, you know you're pregnant. Um, How is that going to affect your ability to do this job? How can we help you? Those are the five magic words you always want to ask when you're in an accommodation system, uh, an accommodation situation, uh, which is how can I help you? What can we do to help you perform your job? What do you need from us? You know, obviously, if someone's giving birth, they're probably going to need some time off to recover. Um, and they may need, you know, some accommodations along the way. Like maybe they need fewer practices or they need, you know, um, you know, whatever they might need, like a supportive uh, equipment or something to be able to play. Um as much as they can. So that's got to be a discussion with the employee. But but ultimately, I don't really like this thought that, you know, if someone's pregnant, then that's, you know, violating their contract or something, because in professional sports, there's never any guarantee that someone's going to be able to play the whole season. Injuries happen all the time. And this is really just, you know, another another thing in life that happens that could affect the job but that the employer needs to work around. Right. hundred percent. Now you talked about the various uh, laws that may be implicated in this case and similar cases. The WNBA actually uh, disciplined Becky Hammond under their own respect in the workplace rules based on, again, these comments she made. And it should be noted that Becky Hammond has denied these allegations. She said that, you know, she handled her with respect and with uh, a lot of care from day one when she told her Um but maybe speak to us about the difference between, you know, um, laws, some of the federal laws that you mentioned, and this organization's own individual laws that, in this case, govern their disciplinary actions with regards to this to this coach. Yeah, good question. And also, I, I want to be clear that, you know, there could be situations where someone can't perform the job because of their pregnancy or disability, but that needs to be assessed with the employer and not just, you know, oh, someone's pregnant, they've got to get out of here. Um, but yes, you also, in addition to the laws, you would look at the organization's policies. And, you know, I know in the WNBA, there's also, um, you know, collective bargaining agreements that are at play here too. Um, so you kind of have to look at all three of those, the, 
you know, the federal and state laws that would apply, any collective bargaining agreement, and then also um, the employer's policies. And, you know, most employers do and should have an equal employment opportunity policy, as well as, you know, respect in the workplace or, um, you know, many employers now are cracking down on bullying or, um, well, harassment is prohibited by law, of course, if it's based on, on pregnancy. Um, and I can't speak to the Becky Hammond situation in detail because, you know, I'm not involved in that case. Don't know if it's true or not, but um, it certainly makes sense that the employer would have disciplined someone um, based on their respect and civility policy if they were able to substantiate allegations about, um, you know, mistreating or bullying an employee. And to that last point, and, and with the last few minutes of remaining time we have, Emily, we really appreciate your your appearance today. You know, speak to us a little bit about what we see it in Sermon as a growing trend, certainly in sports and entertainment. I'm sure you see it, you know, in the um, global uh, employment uh, arena generally is, you know, a rise in allegations of bullying. I'm wondering if from your perspective, that's because of greater awareness of this issue or is it happening more? Again, from the sports and entertainment perspective, we're seeing it, you know, across the board. We're seeing more allegations of bullying, intimidation, uh, hostile work environments, both TV sets, movie sets, and also in sports. I think what's interesting from the sports perspective is now you're seeing people, you know, uh, more comfortable with coming forward and alleging um, this kind of abuse, right? And, and these are, you know, let's let's face it, most of the uh, athletes who we're talking about uh, in a heavily male-dominated uh, arena. These are grown men who in the past have traditionally not, I think, been comfortable coming forward and saying that they're being bullied for fear of retribution, fear of being made fun of, right? I mean, that's just in many ways has been seen as coaching, right? Well, now we see a lot of allegations, a lot of claims, a lot of lawsuits involving, um, you know, coaches who have maybe gone too far. Universities, we've seen Northwestern, right, as the most recent example, that have been accused of um, uh, not disciplining coaches who have gone too far. So what's your take on that, both in sports and entertainment, and then just generally uh, in the employment world um, from your perspective? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question. And, um, you know, it's difficult to say from my perspective, whether I've seen a rise in that type of claim or, um, you know, what might be behind it. I do think that um, perhaps younger generations are kind of questioning the way things work in, in different workplaces. And you know, we've seen, especially in remote work, like younger, um, the younger generations certainly have, they just have different boundaries in the workplace and different expectations. Um, and, you know, people, as times are changing, people are speaking up about things that used to be normal. So I think that could certainly be at play where, you know, some, some form of workplace uh, behavior that was tolerated in the past just isn't tolerated anymore. And, you know, it's hard to say what the, what the um, reason for that is, but it certainly is an interesting trend. One thing I have to mention here, though, because um, I find this very interesting, I see this come up a lot um, in almost everywhere in the U.S., you know, some states having perhaps exceptions. It's not actually illegal to bully someone in the workplace unless it's based on a protected characteristic. So, you know, you can't harass or bully someone because of their race, their sex, their pregnancy, their disability or any other number of protected classes. But, you know, there's not really a legal claim just because your boss is a jerk. <laughs> so, you know, that's something that, um, you know, of course, someone may claim that it was based on a protected class after the fact, and then you could have a problem on your hands. But, um, you know, just because something is not illegal doesn't make it right. And a big part of my job 
as an HR lawyer helping companies is to work on their workplace culture. Because one trend I've noticed in my practice is that employees will file a legal claim if they feel disrespected, if they feel like they were treated unfairly, if they feel like they were bullied. And, you know, maybe it's not a winner, maybe it is, but the company still has to defend that claim. (laughs) So, you know, the more employees feel valued and respected and feel like they can trust their leadership, the less likely they are to get claims to begin with. That's Ford Harrison attorney, Emily Chase Sosnoff. You can see her also or listen to her on the Employee to Lawyer podcast, excellent podcast. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for bringing some insight into this really important topic. And please come back and visit us uh, the next time that issue comes up. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Ideas, strategies, and opinions represented on this podcast are those of the speakers and do not represent the ideas, strategies, and opinions of their employers.